Hey there, welcome to RCC at Home. My name's Natasha. If you're newer and checking us out, hit that subscribe button and the little bell to be notified when new videos are released here. Also, if you like what you see, hit that like button and share the content with some of your friends. Right now, we're about to jump into our latest series where we're experiencing the gravity of the Easter season. And you guessed it, it's called Gravity. Check it out. RCC family, welcome to RCC at home. My name is Sam. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is so good to be with you and to spend this this time with you. Uh, right now, we're in a series called Gravity, and gravity—it's it, this thing that keeps our feet planted on the ground. It's—it's it's this force that it just pulls you in, it sucks you in, it draws you to something. You. You can't avoid it. Uh, I like to think of it how, you know, you go to the grocery store and you're going to the checkout line and, and all of a sudden, like, there's these magazines. I think they're called tabloids, right? And, like, your eyes, you just can't help it. You just gotta look. Like, there they are. Oh, my goodness. There's something happening with the royal family, apparently. I, I don't even know. Like, it's just crazy. Like, you just can't help it. It just sucks you in. Gravity, it's like your three-year-old or four-year-old or nine-year-old still who sees a puddle and you see it in their eyes, like there's just this suction that happens. They're sucked towards that puddle. They can't avoid it. You know in just a moment they are going to be splashing around in that thing full of mud and dirt and all this stuff. It's just the way the world works. If you're a hunter, it's probably your deer stand. You can't wait to be out there. It's got to pull on you all the time. An angler, you want to be out in the water, on the boat. A runner, you want to be out on the trail or the open road and explore. The mountains, they just call to you. We know that certain things, they just have this, this gravity over us, this pull on us, they pull us in. For all of us, the things that pull us into their orbit, that have a gravity over us, they, they really do have this tendency to define our lives, or these things that really give our lives meaning and purpose. And, and whether those things are good things, like, like meaningful work, or a, a fun hobby, or if they're, if they're not such good things, Everything that pulls us into its orbit has a cost. They cost time, they cost energy, they cost money, they, they cost attention. And you think, you think that if, for all of us, we, we all feel that, but if there were one person, right, if there were anyone who could escape this kind of gravity in their life, like the one person in all of history, it would be, it'd be Jesus, right? Jesus, you would think, could escape that kind of gravity, but... But even Jesus, he wasn't immune. Even Jesus got sucked in by something. It was this force that, that drew him in, or, or maybe it was drawn to him. But whatever the case, Jesus and this thing were on a nearly unstoppable collision course. 
in the Gospels, the, the books Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when you read them, you, you get this sense of hurriedness to it. Like Jesus is, is kind of unsettled the whole time. He's always pushing on towards something. He's constantly moving from one place to another. He's always going somewhere. You can look at it all throughout the Gospels. In Luke 13, 22, it says, Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he went, always pressing on towards Jerusalem. And the book of Mark, it's, it's awesome. Uh, I've always loved reading that book because there's this word, this Greek word for the uh, English word immediately. It gets used over and over again. It's literally used about 40 times in the book of Mark. So immediately, immediately, immediately. It's just used over and over again. You get the sense that Jesus is moving somewhere. There's something happening. There's an anxiousness to it. In Matthew 23, 37, Jesus says this about this place that's been pulling it to him towards it. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. There's this place, this metropolitan, vibrant city Jesus, he was on a collision course with Jerusalem. Everything was going to change when he showed up in Jerusalem. And the anticipation it builds as you're reading through these books, it's, it's intense. You know something's going to happen. I liken it to uh, watching like the classic train scenario in a movie, right? Like you're watching the train just speeding at breakneck speed and you find out that the brakes are broken. They, they can't stop the train. It's awful. It's scary. And then the, the video camera it cuts ahead to where the tracks are broken and you know that something's going to happen. And you just, you can see it, right? You can imagine the explosions or the picture of catastrophe takes root in your brain. You can see it. You're imagining it. Like gravity, there seems to be no stopping it. From the moment that Jesus sets foot on the earth, from that very moment, Jesus had been sucked into the gravity of, of the cross in Jerusalem. Or maybe, maybe it's that the cross was sucked into Jesus' orbit, which, whichever it was, they were on a collision course. Something was about to happen, and you can Feel it. And he lets you know it's coming. Like all throughout the gospels, he says, I'm going to Jerusalem and something bad's going to happen. Get ready. And they just don't seem to get that fact when his disciples are hearing him saying that. But something, something is for sure going to happen. Unless, uh, unless, there was, there was always an unless. There was always a, a possibility. There always had to be a moment when, when Jesus could say, could, could ask, is this really worth it? Couldn't I just bail? Can I get off this train before it collides with the cross? Is there any other way? I mean, Jesus, he had followed his father's will all the way to Jerusalem. And now having prepared his disciples having had the Passover dinner with them, the Last Supper, the final moment it had arrived, the, the final chance to jump off the train was here, and Jesus, he, he agonized over it. It's in, it's in Luke 22, and it says this. He's in the, he goes off to his usual place in the Mount of Olives, the Garden of Gethsemane, and it says this. Then, 
Accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, Pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away, about a stone's throw, and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. At last he stood up again and returned to the disciples, only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray, so that you will not give in to temptation. Sweat like blood. Can you imagine? Jesus saying, take this cup from me. Being in agony of spirit, even, even his prayer position, he was on his knees. A proper prayer position for a Jewish man in that time was on his feet, standing. This was serious. All of this, it showed us just how agonizing and awful and excruciating this decision was. I mean, we, we know that he was ultimately deciding whether to go up on that cross or not, but, but the decision was much more than that. And aren't they always, right? Our decisions are always about so much more than what we have to go through as a result of them. It's kind of like the decision to start a family. Um, it's been on our mind as a staff lately because Pastor Danny and his wife Lindsay, they're going to have a baby. It's going to be awesome. And everyone keeps telling them just how hard it's going to be. Maybe you've been in that situation, like, it's going to be so hard. But the decision isn't just about whether you want to go through the hard stuff. I mean, the diapers, the crying, the late night wake-ups, and that's just the first week. And here I am saying how hard it's going to be again. But the decision, it's, it's not that narrow. It's really a decision that in spite of those things, you're ready to love and cherish and care for this child no matter what. It's a choice of expanding your heart, which makes the cost worth it. So the question for us today is, is really this. When Jesus says those most powerful words of all, when he says, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Your will, God, not mine. Your will, Father, not mine. When Jesus says those words, what's the decision he's really making? And the result is, is, is the cross. The cost is the cross. But what is Jesus really choosing? I had a, I had a friend who had a conversation with uh, just a little bit ago. And it was, it was a fantastic conversation. It was the first time I'd been able to catch up with him in a long time. And this friend was telling me about someone that they're really close with and how this person was upset with this entire other group of people. This entire other group of people they're just really upset with. This person said, none of those people deserve to go to heaven. And the friend, this friend of mine, they, they talked to them and they kind of helped them back away from that and talked about how it's faith and belief in Jesus that, that that's what gets you into heaven, not whether you make a certain decision or not, or believe or think some certain thing or not. But, but I've been thinking about that interaction ever since we've talked. I, I can't seem to get it out of my head. 
And we, we live in a world where if we feel wronged, we want to be outraged. That, that's our go-to. And as I read this passage over and over this week, it, it got me to thinking, this is the very question Jesus was having to answer for himself. I mean, here he was, right? Jesus, the answer to the problems of evil, suffering, sin, a world that had ripped itself from God through our own selfishness and sins. And he had to answer the question for himself. Was he willing to endure the cost to accomplish the goal? Would he respond his father's way? Would he respond with compassion and and self-sacrifice? Or would he find himself too outraged by who we'd become? Which honestly, I, I wouldn't blame him if, we, if he chose the latter. We're selfish creatures. We look out for number one. We're critical and judgmental and prideful and in every other thing. Jesus could have chosen outrage or, or worse yet, he could have just said, we're not even worth caring about. I mean, he could have chosen apathy. Not even worth redeeming. Think about that. Not even worth redeeming. When sweat dropped like blood, when the gravity of Jerusalem and the cross pulled Jesus within the very last moments before impact, Jesus didn't change course. Jesus stayed faithful to his Father He chose compassion over outrage or apathy or judgment. He said, not my will, God, but yours. Not my will, but my Father's. He knew this was the only way, and he was willing to do it. And you and I, we've received and have the opportunity to receive the the gift he offers because of it. Our lives can be changed, given meaning and purpose. The gravity of our lives can pull us toward him because of it, toward redemption, toward new life, which, which leads us to our question, to our question. I mean, what about us? What will we choose? Will we choose compassion? Or will we choose outrage? Or worse, apathy and judgment? Compassion doesn't mean agreeing. Compassion doesn't mean changing someone so they're suddenly good enough. Compassion is caring for and loving someone just the way they are without their having to earn it. That's the kind of compassion and love Jesus chose to have for us even in spite of the cost. And if you've accepted it, then you're well aware you don't deserve it because there's not a thing we could ever do to earn it. Which leads us to our final question. Who can you have compassion on? Who can you, this week, care for without trying to change them first? One person you maybe don't even think deserves it. Who can you show kindness to even though you don't agree with them? When Jesus extends grace to us, it's meant to inspire us to extend the same compassion to others. And let's be real, right? It's not going to be easy. It took sweat like blood dripping from Jesus' forehead for him to take that step. But you can start small. You can do it for one person this week. You can be kind to the person you tend to disagree with. You can have compassion on someone who you don't think deserves it. And even this smallest of ways, 
you can be like Jesus this week. And who knows what kind of difference that might make. We're, we're just a couple weeks out from Easter and we're, we're finishing up these final weeks of our Gravity series. And as we're stepping closer to Easter, I, I just encourage you to make sure you don't miss these coming weeks. There's going to be so good. And it's going to prepare you so well to celebrate Easter in these coming weeks. But as we close today, I want to pray with, with two different prayers. With two parts in the same prayer. The first part is this. Maybe today you're realizing, wow. Wow, there is a compassionate act that Jesus had towards me. And I never quite understood it. But today I do. And you just want to say, Jesus, I accept your love through your compassionate act on the cross. You chose that for me, that I could have a new life. You could erase my sins. I could be forgiven. I could live for you without guilt or fear. And if you want to own that for yourself, I'm going to say a prayer, and you can say those words right along with me. And then secondly, if you're listening today and, and you're thinking to yourself, you know what? I know that I've accepted that compassion, and I know it should inspire me, but it's hard to do that for others. The second part of the prayer will be for us to, to take that choice, to make that choice, to choose compassion over outrage or apathy or judgment in one simple way for one person this week. In other words, we're going to ask Jesus to help us be like him a little more this week. Would you pray with me? Dear God, it is incredible, Jesus, the thing you did in choosing to go to the cross knowing that that would be the cost. We are so grateful that you chose to love us like that, to have compassion over us like that. And for some of us today, we've never told you thank you for that and accepted that. So here we are. We're saying we love you, Jesus. We want to follow you. We're grateful for your forgiveness, for the things we've done running the other direction from you. Thank you for wiping away that sin. And God, Thank you for giving us a future, a future without guilt, with freedom to live for you and to live with meaning and purpose. We commit to following you in that way. We love you, God. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for that forgiveness and new life. And for those of us who have said those words before, God, we, we ask that you would give us the courage and give us the ability to be courageous and compassionate like your son Jesus is for one person this week in one simple way that we would take that one simple step to be a little more like your son, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, RCC. I hope that you enjoyed the service today and that you got a lot out of it. But I have a question for you as we conclude. Here it is. Where's your heart today? I know that's a tough question. So here's what Jesus says about where your heart is in the Bible. It's in the book of Matthew, it's chapter 6, and it's verse 21. It says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will also be. That's Jesus. He's right, as always. It's Jesus. And if you think about it, it, it does make sense. Your heart goes wherever your investments go. Your, your, your thoughts go wherever your investments go. For example, if you invest in a stock, you suddenly think about that stock all the time. I've done it before. I, I know that's to be personally true. You watch if it's going up or it's going down, if the business is doing well or if it's not. You're thinking about the time and your heart's there too because you so badly want that business to succeed. So I'm happy 
that you are considering investing financially in what God is doing through RCC. The reason is because if you do, if you invest financially, Jesus says your heart will follow. And that's what really makes a difference is we all band together to support and carry out everything that God calls this church to do. God doesn't need your money. We know this, but he does need your heart. He says in the Bible that if he has your heart, then he has your giving too. As you invest here and your heart for the ministry grows, you will be sure that the work of God is getting done and done in ways that please him. That's actually one of the values here at RCC. Now you can go to rccsunday.com anytime you want and you can, you, can, you can click on our values and see what those are. But also at rccsunday.com, you can click on the icon to give. There's, there's the word give at the top. There's an icon on the bottom right. And, and you can click on that and invest in this ministry. You can also leave a prayer request. You can fill out a red card and ask a question. It would be great to hear from you. I hope that you have a great week this week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week.